Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the Volleypod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good morning and welcome to the Volleypod. How are you this evening, Todd? Davis, I'm doing well, but how about you? I heard you're cut re-injury. What oh, happened? my goodness. This was one of the most ridiculous and worst things that I've had happen to me recently. Even though I just ruptured my Achilles, I was walking down or up the steps at my school, and I slipped off the step and put all the weight right on that re oh. re uh surgically attached Achilles and I just heard all these pops and it just is all back brutal again. It's all banged up. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I'm back on it, but the good news is I know what's going on as far as I'm last time it was a bit like, you know, all in shock this time I kind of know what's going on and I know what to expect. It's not, it's not pretty. It's kind of a long recovery, but at least I'm, at least I know what's up. So I'm right. in good well, spirits. Well, we're back talking volley. That's, 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 what's, that's what's big. Keeping me in good spirits with the volleyball. That's what I like. And you are going to be the one talking about the skill for today. It's a coaching skill. And what do we got right. going well, on I'm, today? I'm yeah. kind of taking, I'm kind of cheating because this is something I talked about. I was just up in Portland at the AO, the first AOC coaches clinic of the year was in Portland. And it was a great one. And, you know, you just get so fired up being around coaches that are interested in learning and getting better. So okay. I had a blast up there. Met a bunch of cool coaches from all over the country. A uh, bunch from the Pacific Northwest, obviously. But uh, the topic today is a coaching skill. And it is titled Using a Glossary to Establish a Team Identity. Okay. That's a great topic. I love and, that. And, hey, you know, I'm an English teacher. So the idea of having a glossary and, hey, what is the vocabulary that's important for you to share with your team? Right. Okay. I like that. I like that. Let's jump in. Yeah. If we get into the rationale, is having a unique and strong team identity important? And I would would say most people would say yes. Uh, But how do you create that? And, And I would probably argue that focusing on a shared vocabulary is one important strategy. To say, hey, this holds us together. This helps us create a uh, unique and uh, special identity. So uh, I'm going to get into our 13 terms, a baker's dozen. Uh, The first four, of course, are uh, all about culture. So it's all about, okay, so this is really what we're about. And you've heard me talk about ETA before and I'll do it again because it's really what we base everything. Uh, it's a foundation of our program effort, teamness attitude. We can talk about ETA. We try to do a quote every day. We talk about it in context every day about, you know, something is happening in the gym. So uh, if you hopefully ask players on our, in our program, you know, Hey, what's important in your program? Hopefully they would all say ETA because they're, they're probably sick of it, but I don't mind if they're sick of it because it's what we're all about. Yep. Absolutely. And so I'll come back to that. Yeah. Number two is this idea of synergy. Okay. 
And the idea of synergy is you just finished a beach season. And so you've seen some of this and we define it by one plus one equals three. Yes. Yes. That is your best and my best. Uh, the sum of our best is more than uh, uh, there's an extra added there because I can bring out the best of you and you can bring out the best in me. Yes, I like that. And of course, on the beach, you can have one plus one equals one half, right? Because right. you have, you know, bad chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. So focusing on those uh, behaviors, those concepts that bring out the best in each other is important to us. So synergy is a, a big part of our program. The third one is uh, what, what we call NPF. Okay. What's that Next one? Next point, focus. Okay. Yes. I like that. And so, hey, we're about the next point. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to carry around a backpack full of our errors. We're going to be into next point, focus. We're going to get in the huddle. Uh, we're going to be together. Uh, we're going to make a bunch of mistakes. They, they're going to, some of them are going to be real stupid. We're going to learn from them and be into ne next point, focus. So we have this idea of next point, focus is, I think within that is this idea that of hope is that, hey, things are going to get better. Um, no matter how bad things are right now, uh, a, a run is just around the corner. Yes. Good point. Really okay. good point. Yeah. So the first three, ETA, Synergy, NPF, and then we have one negative one, which we okay. call skunking. Okay, what's this one? And skunking is spreading a negative stench around our our team environment. Okay. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. So skunking would be kid who comes into practice every day. Oh, you know, it's it's you you you're going into, you know, preseason in, in California. It's hot, you know, it's August. Oh, so I'm so hot. Right. Okay. Right. That's yeah. skunking. That's yeah. spreading negative energy. Oh, I can't believe I have so much homework. Oh, I was up until midnight last night. And then the skunking can spread. Oh, you up till midnight. I was up till two. Okay. Go, oh, I didn't sleep. So, you know, you're raising the skunking bar there. So uh, people are trying to out skunk each other. So is that helping us get better? So, Attitude is uh, important to us, and so we want to make sure they understand understand what skunking is, and that we avoid it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. The next three are about serving. Okay, because hey, serving is important to us, and we want to make sure our players know of its importance. And so the first two go together: clippers and bombers. Okay. What is that? So a clipper is a ball that hits the top of the net. We practice it every day, hitting clippers, because we want low tra trajectory balls. A bomber is a ball that is served from back 20 to 25 feet behind the inline. Yes. It's a long floater. So we want to hit balls consistently in that give teams trouble. And we think a bomber is a great way to do that, but we want low trajectory surge when we hit clippers. Uh, so clippers and bombers uh, are specific vocabulary that we practice all the time. Yes. Okay. That's the, I see where you're going with this. This is great. Yeah. 
The next one is one that I know you know, and there's actually, uh, I'm kind of cheating because it's two terms in one, sink it tempo serves or two bouncers. Yes. Yes. One of my favorites. Yeah. I love the two. So this is the serve. We think if we can get good at this and we can serve it at a high percentage so we can serve over 90% and have balls land uh, between, you know, 11 and 14 feet. Um, still low trajectory and floating and kind of drop off the table. And we think those are, those are the toughest balls to pass. Oh yeah. And we call them two bouncers because if you serve it and it's low trajectory and you make it, you know, under the antenna and it bounces twice before on the court, before it goes out of the court, then that's the serve that we want. You're able to define it by um, how many times it bounces. Yes seriously so good one of the most effective serves especially after a timeout i love that serve i love it two bouncer uh the last serving term is streaking okay and this is one that i'm really into now and that is hey when we're on a streak we want to keep it alive so once you hit two serves in we don't want any errors and we want to streak and when we're streaking and we talk about in practice we'll practice you know play games streaking where, uh, you know, we'll play around with the score. So if you score the first point, it's worth one. The second point's worth two. If you hit it in the net on the third serve, you lose all the three points that you accumulated. Oh, I like that. Okay, that's cool. So, you know, if you score four points, the first one's one, the second one's two, the third one's three, the fourth one's four. So you got a, you know, big, yeah, what is that, nine or so? I don't know. I'm not a big math guy. You got nine points, but if you miss your next one, you take them off the board. Yes. Just trying to show kids how important it is when you have a team on the ropes and they're in a bad rotation and they're struggling to make them fight out of it. Don't let them off the hook. I like that. That's a really good one. All right. I have one serve receive term. Okay. For us. And that is something I stole from Jim McLaughlin. I think I've talked about it before. It's updating. Oh, I like this one. Yes. So this is the movement that you make as a serve receiver after you get your platform out. I like that one. Yes. Most most players you'll see, they move, they get their platform out, and then they pass. And once they get their platform out, their feet stop. Yes. Updating is keeping your feet moving after your platform's out to create a better angle. I like that. And most people are going, oh, create the angle with your platform. And I'm saying, no, if you get your body in a better position, then you can create a better angle. Yes. Agreed. So that's updating. Now we get into three defensive terms that are important to us. Okay. The first is what we call our P-O-R library. Okay. What's this one? And that is patterns of recognition. Oh, I like this. Yes. Yes. So this is the idea of reading. Like, hey, what did you see? What do you know about this? And what can you rule out? So if the ball is outside the antenna, that's the first one for us reading. We know it has to pass between the two antennas. So outside the antenna you got to move in so you put yourself in a position to play the ball if the ball is tight um, especially at low levels it's going to be tipped 
Right. Um, so we get into these patterns of recognition and can that library expand as you become more experienced. Great one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Number 10, maybe my all time favorite, uh, second ball defense. Yes. Uh, and this is, uh, I think great defensive teams defend the other team, but they also play defense on their own teammates, bad digs. Yes. So yeah. if I dig a low line drive a foot off the net, you lay out and get it. I, I and, love it. Yes. Uh, that's a term that we use, and it's helped us to define great effort on defense, not just on the opponent, but hey, you can rip their heart out by playing a ball they think's out of play. Yes, I love Which, that. I think that that term pretty much. Uh, exhibits exactly what you're talking about here as far as having the glossary help define your team right this one you're actually saying i play defense it sets a tone of sort of grit that everyone has not only on defense but on every touch yep right so cool i really like that one and the next one is right in there with uh the situation i just mentioned and that is what we call a flip script Oh, yes. <laughs> I like that. And a flip script is, hey, when the other team thinks they win a point, but you make a great play and save it. So uh, flip scripts happen with uh, opponent's clipper serves that my setter or middle lays out and gets. Yes. A second ball defense where a transitioning middle lays out and gets a line drive, uh, low dig in the middle of the court, lays out and saves it. A ball that's blocked straight down that we cover. The other team's celebrating their big block, and we cover it and score. Yes. Such a, such a good one. I like that. The last two have to do with offense, and the first one is uh, offensive timing. And for us, that is big. And the idea of uh, being in rhythm when we're attacking. And so we have a little term and that is away means delay. Yes. Okay. And Got I think it. I stole this from uh, Keegan up in, when he was up in Washington, now he's going to Minnesota, but uh, away means delay. So our hitters are cued into the timing of, and the rhythm of attacking so they can go slow to fast. So away means delay. Uh, Balls further away from them, they have to wait longer so they can accelerate in to hit hard. I love it. That's awesome. And the last one, number 13, our Baker's Dozen, is attack and tap, T-A-P. And okay. you've heard me talk about oh, this yes. too. Take a picture. Yes. Can you take a picture of the defense? Whether you get a kill or whether you get dug, can you take a picture of the defense so that will help you know, hey, what is the D? How, how are they defending me here? What is open, whether you score or not? I love that. I love that. That's a great one, too, for so sure. 13. I love it. Those are really cool. And again, terms in our glossary. And, and again, these are all going to be different, right? For every team, right? maybe not all different, but, you know, well, no, I they're going to be different. Choose your own. But I think if you, you know, we talk about these terms all the time. And we share them, and it's not something that they're talking to other people about, right? It's something that's kind of special to us uh, right? that we share the special vocabulary. Yes. Super cool. What a great topic. I love that. So we're getting into uh, what do you have for scenario today? Okay. 
so the scenario is one that I'm going through currently and I go through every year and it's managing the qualifying process. Oh my goodness. And um, that's why I don't coach clubs. I, don't have to deal with that. <laughs> I just do some little, you know, coaching education stuff because the qualifying process scares me. My goodness. It is a big deal. And it's a, it's a big business too. So we're going to talk about some of this and I kind of broke it up into three portions. The, beginning of the season, the middle of the season and the end of the season, and then just some considerations for, for families. So uh, at the beginning of the season, you are positioning for rankings within your region. So this is a, um, a bit of a, there's, there's people that feel differently about this. I mean, most generally people love the qualifying process and the competition that it brings, but, there, especially with the 18 season, the season is so short that you have to be positioned at the top of your region from the very first tournament. Otherwise, you will not get a at-large uh, bid in your region. So you really have to start playing competitive. So you can't right. the first so you tournament. can't play around. Hey, I want to play with a bunch of lineups, and I want to you know experiment a bunch. You have hey. to get right into it. Exactly, which I don't necessarily love, especially because I'm generally taking newer teams each year, meaning it's new to me. Um, and I would like to tinker with the lineup, especially at the beginning of the season, because if you jump right into the season going, hey, this is my starting group, then obviously you could be mistaken. Um, and and uh, if you're able to tinker a little bit, you can figure out what is your best lineup without, you well, know, and the cult, for the culture, you want to give kids a chance, right? Exactly. And yes. You want them to play in matches and practice is obviously a big part of it, but still, Hey, paying a bunch of money and going to these tournaments, they got to play a little bit. Absolutely. And that's why I, I'm in favor of friendlies. You know, I think there should be more friendly tournaments. Um, and there are several, but we're not in the position, at least my teams aren't typically in the process or uh, in the uh, habit of blowing people out. It'd be great if we were, but we're not, you know, 2 0, you know, 25 15 against everyone. We're like really close. Right. Uh, so we got to be competitive from the beginning and it just sets everything up for a competitive season which is which is good but it also has some thing aspects that i don't love right um as we get into the middle of the season that's when it goes into what i'm calling just qualifying season before before yeah. you go how do you approach with your kids kind of talking about it at the beginning of the season that's a great question and it's so difficult because you have to feel it out on um, how good the team was last year, how good the incoming players are. And you, it's really difficult to talk to them at the beginning of the season because you really don't know. And they've, they can make so many leaps over the course of the season. Um, so it's always difficult. But I've been in a position where most of the times my teams have the ability to qualify for one of the divisions that's not the Open each year. So I, I've been able to just through tradition, figure out where we kind of land and I can kind of give that team the talk uh, the team that talk. Um, but I, I can imagine it being much more difficult for some ones teams where they're like always on the border of open or national and that kind of thing. And then also for lower level teams, um, sometimes they're going to be really talented and then sometimes they're not going to be as, you know, do you, do you play it down or is it just a, a big goal? Like, Hey, this is our goal that we're going for. Or do you go, Hey, 
we're going to be more process oriented rather than this qualifying outcome oriented. I think this, that's probably my biggest question. So honestly, I wish I could say that I was more outcome driven with it and on my best teams I am but it's such a talking point that typically we're sort of in this competition against one of the other clubs by us right so you're more so you're more outcome and less process right I typically am yeah no it makes sense I mean you're in this system and that's just the way the system is so exactly and so yeah I'm telling them hey we've qualified for the and this is actually typically how I say it is hey look we've qualified for the past however many years and I anticipate they'll qualify this year, but I don't have any, you know, um, direct uh, control over it. But here's the plan. Right. And to that point, some teams are going up to four qualifiers, right, which is amazing. And because these are all across the country this year, we did two, but we thought about doing another one. Um, and uh, we did not achieve our goal of qualifying in there. We um, and then we aren't going to go to J.O.'s in the Patriot either this year because, um, you know, my team just felt going to AAUs would be a better, um, more competitive route for them. Okay. So, so that's, that's what you decided. You guys are going to Florida. Exactly. And right. um, so, yeah, so the middle. Of the so, season, so I kind of interrupted you. Well, that's you, okay. were, you were going, getting into mid-season. So, yeah, sorry. so in the mid-season is the qualifying season. And this is basically the entire month of, Mar- or month of March and April. And um, again, they're doing two to three to four qualifiers, some of these teams, and they're all around the country, right? So typically we do the Las Vegas one and one other one. This year we went to Salt Lake City. Um, we, took a, we took a fifth and a third, which sounds really good, but we needed to get second. We were in the Freedom Division. Um, and our plan was to try to qualify in the Freedom. And if we, if we um, you know, won the Freedom to try to go qualify higher, um, but we were like 15, 12 or something, 15, 11 in the third game when we got third and we lost two close games when we got fifth to a good team. And so we never quite got there. And I guess that brings me to the, um, a couple of the things like, look, there, it's a big expense, right? Traveling. Yep. Country's a big expense. There's going to be missed school because a lot of times we go out the year or uh, the day before the tournament. Um, and then you travel back the night of the last day of the tournament, but sometimes that's not possible to get back the next day. Or even if you do, you're unable to go to school for whatever reason. So there's a big, uh, process obviously, and a big, um, sacrifice that every family goes into for the qualifying process. Um, and there's nothing guaranteed. So you could play really well and we've gotten better and better, but there's no guarantee that you could qualify because there's so many good teams. Yep. And that takes us to the end of the season, which is basically all about competing. And if you're not competing for uh, JOs or for, for a national championship, some individual goals and some team goals that are smaller than winning JOs, like, you know, we want to play well on a big stage or we want to, you know, pass at this rate or whatever. So, and then obviously these are some of the biggest tournaments in the, in the season. So everyone's trying to get seen by colleges and just perform as well as they can on an individual basis. So there's a lot that goes into it. I think there's a little bit too much that goes, uh, stress that goes into it. Um, I always get super stressed about it. And I always try to coach my best. And sometimes we don't get there. So it's it's kind of a, 
you know, it's just like winning and losing in general. It's just kind of a love hate relationship with it. I love it when we're doing well, but often it can be energy draining and just take a lot of time and effort on everyone's part. And, um, yeah, it's kind of just a love-hate relationship with the qualifying process. But I will say USA Volleyball does a great job running the tournaments. And uh, it's a great place to be at the end of the year, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you got? That, yeah, you know, for me, the thing is, I think psychologically with the players, uh, it's, you know, they talk so much about it. and It's such a big thing. And, you know, my uh kind of mantra with them is hey we're going to go out we're going to try to get a little bit better every point we play and if we get into the match that is the qualifying match then we can talk about qualifying right okay i like that so we talk about qualifying when we play that you know third place match or the championship match if the only whatever it is then we can talk about qualifying but we try not to talk about qualifying in the first, like, oh, if you lose this, then, oh, your whole season is down the drain. Right. <laughs> Can we just play and, and get better? And then, hey, if you get to the championship and you have a chance to qualify, now we're playing for the qualification, and that's fine. But if you're playing for the qualification in every match and there's this kind of cloud of qualification, it's, it's like like Charlie Brown, who's the guy with the cloud over him, you know, oh, Big Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Big Ben, you know, has the – cloud that follows them all over it's like you have this qualifying cloud that follows these teams and it's just it's it's tough you know it can definitely feel like that sometimes for sure so that's a really really good point we're, we're all doing our best so let's just clear the cloud all right well hey uh you did another season now you guys going to aau's all i'm uh ang- you know i'm uh, eager to see how you do there that should be super fun so do you got some videos for us this this week? You know, the videos were a little different because we had, you know, the glossary. So what I want to do on the videos today is really highlight one coach. Okay. And the coach I want to highlight is Beth Lanier from Utah. And she has been there a long time, you know, at Utah. And she's such a good coach. Oh, yeah. And so what, what I'm going to do is highlight – three of her videos that are on the AOC website. Uh, There's one on uh, making defensive moves and just the effort you can see. I think her teams play very hard. There's another one on transition. And then there's one on general ball control. So there's three videos uh, kind of highlighting, I think, one of the best coaches in the nation, uh, Beth Lanier. And I hope everybody enjoys them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I got one resource for everybody, and this is a pretty cool resource. This is TorqueVB on Instagram. It is one coach named Isaac Knubel, and um, he is just a big arm swing guy, and he does some really great work. He's got some of the best arm swing stuff on the internet right now, in my opinion, and he's big on the circular arm swing. Ah, the old circular arm swing. Yeah, It's a little different. Exactly. He's been trying to bring it sort of to the to the mainstream and to some younger players and stuff like that. And uh, he's done some transformation videos with his with his people. And he's got some, I don't know, cool angles. He's got to have a drone or something. He's got some really cool angles on his videos. But uh, yeah, the resource is Torque VB. A bunch of great stuff on there, especially for arm swing. I think Coco likes it. You hear Coco barking yeah. down here? <laughs> Coco's a big Torque. Torque 
Torque dog. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. And uh, I heard she's into the uh, circular arm swing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we had a great, uh, great episode again. So right on. Thanks so much, Todd. Appreciate it. All right, it. Davis. Good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save any time you're on the site.